0: Welcome to Singled Out, the ninth best guild ball podcast. Please stand by.
1: Hello, Andrew here. This is a bonus episode. It's not one where Jason talks for hours and hours and I get a word edge raise. Well, actually, it probably is one of those. But it is one of our bonus episodes called Singled Out Bonus Time, because that's a Gilball phrase. It's one of our normal Patreon episodes that you get for being a subscriber. This one's been out on Patreon for a few weeks, and I'm releasing it to you, the public, all three of you, with the aim of that you'll hear it and go, My goodness, that's brilliant! I'll become a patron. Well, how do you become a patron? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you follow the show notes and go on to the link there, alternatively go on to patreon.com slash singledoutgb. You'll find us, us at goalkeeper level or above, but probably just goalkeeper, that's fine with me, and get access to our content. Anyway, here's the episode. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. Okay, anyway, without further ado, here we are again. Thank you. Bye! It's interesting point about being proud of models because, I mean... I always try and paint relatively well, although some models I find it easier to do than others. Um, but do you find that now there's a... Yeah. Do you find that when when there's a forced painting requirement, some people just kind of take the easy way out and just dry brush something, that's it, rather than taking the time? Yes,
0: anymore. absolutely,
1: 100%. But I always think, and we've said this before several
0: times, I don't think it's fair to criticise people for that. It's not, if, not at all. It's not. If that's not it's their not. hobby, then that's up to them. Like... We'll, I certainly enjoy painting a, a hell of a lot more than I used to, but I also have come very much from the side of that uh, I didn't enjoy it. And some people want to just play the game, and I wouldn't want, to, which is why I was never against people just having plastic models. You no, know, it's not ideal. But I think particularly in Guildball because it is a tournament-based game, it doesn't necessarily lend itself as much to the hobbying aspect as other games do, and therefore I wouldn't want to preclude anyone from coming and playing the game and putting another barrier of entry out there. Um, but I do think if you put a painting requirement on it, then, yeah, I've, do, I've seen some paint jobs, which, frankly, I would rather look at the bare plastic.
1: So when you've been um, when you're painting and started to enjoy it, um, what sort of things did you learn? What were the first sort of painting tips you picked up that were really helpful to you to get better?
0: Um, on occasion, Agrax isn't always the way. <laughs> no, well, it's, on a bombshell,
1: Might drop, pocket's over. It, so Agrax, actually... Agrax being called basically a brown ink wash, isn't it? So, I mean, I it's, hopefully hopefully, everyone here knows what any wash is. Um, the idea is that your base coat, so you do your sort of flat colours on your surfaces, yeah. and then, of course, you use a sort of kind of thinned paint that goes into all the cracks and... Uh, it, it's the reverse and of gloss. And I learned. It goes inside all the dark parts and basically makes it look like it's been sort of shaded, right?
0: Yeah, and I learned that the difference between a wash and a gloss is that the gloss, work, gl- gloss works in reverse in that it tends to stay on the higher parts and then accentuate the light parts. And so therefore you have to be careful to not over-apply gloss so that it doesn't also go down into the recesses.
1: So you basically were finding that you stop you stopped overwashing things?
0: Uh, well, I think, that, to be honest, the first main tips I learned is to water down my paints a lot uh, and then apply, um, apply it in thin coats because then you could build up the colour easier than you can take the colour away because if you're going too heavy with too much paint on your brush, you haven't got a lot of control over the point of your brush because it's loaded up with paint. And also, the application of the paint can become very... like You end up with it just not pooling because it's really thick, but kind of like just... I can't remember a word, stagnating? Or just end up with a, just a horrible blob and you almost, instead of painting and drawing the paint across the model, you'd end up just sort of spreading it. I don't know if that's necessarily a great analogy, but...
1: I find it hard sometimes when i painting because... I try and thin paints down, obviously, because they can be quite thick, especially when I'm using my, uh, my, my um, scale 75 ones that are quite thick anyway. Mm. But then I find it can be a very fine line. Yes, it is. Thinning it down and making it. I mean, if it's solid translucent, it's fine. You can do more than one coat. But sometimes it could be two translucent, and then you get to have to do five, six, seven coats. And I don't want to do that. And, and it's so- a very fine line also between it running off. So it's quite, um, I think it's quite a skill to know how much water to add. And yeah, I'll I totally agree. to let
0: apply it. Because sometimes, like, now I've started using a bit of a wet palette, it makes it a bit
1: easier because it tends...
0: I found that the problem would be if I used, like, a, uh, I was just using a lid from an old ice cream tub or a tile or any sort of surface like that. You'd apply a bit of water, mix it in, apply a bit of water, mix it in, apply a bit of water, and the next thing you know... It's basically just spread all over the top of the lid and almost unusable.
1: Yeah, because I've never used a wet powder before, and I've got one on order, like, um, ordered through Kickstarter a long time ago, and it's arriving this month, and I'm finding myself that... It's, it's annoying, because I do find with my paints, they dry out, and as you're painting them, That's... they get thicker, because they start drying out, and it's hard to be consistent with it.
0: And then the problem you have then is, once it starts drying out, you start adding more water to try and uh, keep it... Uh, is viscous the word I want?
1: Uh, viscous means thick, yeah, so... Um, Well, the opposite opposite of that. Fluid, um, I guess. So, I mean, a wet palette is basically a a layer of absorbent-ish material, isn't it, that has water absorbed into it and another layer on top that you have your paint on. Maybe some kind of um, greaseproof paper or parchment paper, isn't it, or that sort of material. Yeah,
0: I made mine myself. So I've got a a Tupperware tub, uh, which is probably... I mean, great radio, but probably four inches by six inches, so sort of like uh, maybe an inch and a half deep, so kind of like a sandwich like um, tub. On the bottom of it, I've got like a, a dishcloth, but not like a dishcloth, like the, the thick sponge. But then I've got a couple of layers of just uh, kitchen roll. Uh, and then on top of that, I've then got like a, like, like you say, like an artist's blotting paper. So then, did you
1: find that out online, how to make it, or...?
0: Uh, a bit of that, a bit of uh, I spoke to Max and Martin. But it's super easy to do, and then I just rinse off the uh, top sheet every now and again that holds the paint on it. also has the advantage that you waste a lot less paint because uh, it's not just drying up on your palette all the time. And it's also really handy if you want to mix colours because it keeps the colours wetter for longer.
1: Yeah, it's a reason really to, to do more because um, if you're painting, let's say with Guild tend to paint one model at a time, but if, mm. you want to, if you want to do two or three at once, which you might do for Guild Ball, maybe if you want to do sort of, um, you know, an adhesive colour scheme, or if you're doing some God tier models and you want to paint the followers all at once, or or Lord of the Rings and paint all your elf cloaks at once, if you're doing all the cloaks, you might find after model five, it's dried out. Mm. And then having to max the colour again. Or if you really need, to, need to put it away and then do something else, like, you know, interact with your family and stuff. Um, so
0: that's, um, that's why I'm a little hesitant on mixing colours, because if I. But even on Guild Ball, because you've got a whole team, I'm always a little concerned I won't get the exact right blend again. It's different if you're doing, say, an army and, say, like, as we've just referenced say, like Lord of the Rings, if I'm doing a hero, it doesn't matter if a hero's shading is slightly different usually because it's a hero.
1: What I've done with my Guild War models is, because my paints I use are mainly in drop bottles... Ah, okay, so it's a lot easier to get I, your ratios. What I do is I usually do, like, a even-sized blob squeeze... Mm. And so I kind of think of it as this will be a one-to-one mix. Mm-hmm. Or, so two blobs to two blobs or and I think of it was ratios. Yeah. yeah. So when I lighten it, I add another blob. And what I've done is when I have finished a team, I photograph all my paints, that mm-hmm. I've used for that team, save it on my phone. And then if I want to paint an alchemist, like a year later, I've got the paints recorded,
0: which thankfully you, you never want to do
1: because no one wants to paint alchemists. Well, I, I actually quite enjoy painting my alchemists. No, uh, got, I, I don't not play them, but I, I, I like painting them, and um, I've got a crucible. You know, saturated so try to paint up at some point. Um, nice model. Um, no yeah, it user, is. But, but it's, it's good uh, model, you know. And I like painting them. I've got uh, out of all the guilds in Guild Ball, the one guild I didn't really like painting much, and that was the Hunters. Um, okay, that's interesting because they are a, nice. a, a lot of straps and buckles and feathers, and I find those hard to paint. Mm. Um, yeah, fair especially when you've got multiple straps like so you've got a boot covered in straps i find it hard to sort of delineate the different parts of the boot that makes sense
0: yeah see i've um i write down like trouser i'll, I'll write what well, i'm painting so like mercury ranger but leather was this 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 and i've yeah. got a note note file on my um my phone i'm actually thinking how because i've just procured a uh a, a full butcher's team so i've got a um I'm going to figure out what colours I'm going to do then. Well, I so, like to do...
1: do you ever use colour theory when looking at colours at all?
0: Not so much yet. I can't... Do you know a lot uh, about it? No, not really. Um,
1: uh, so... I know
0: what a colour wheel is that you're supposed to use opposite so, yes, colours. So, what
1: I often do is, I'll, I'll bring one up now, you hear me typing, typing on my keyboard, because they're good radio. Um, so, a colour wheel, of course, shows you all the colours in the rainbow, and into Google you can type it in, and you get basically ones that are either just blended together or broken into chunks, yeah? And mm. um, so... There's a real word for this. I'm going I'm to get it wrong. Um, basically, if you have colours that are opposite the colour wheel, they are called complementary colours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, you might have red opposite blue and yellow opposite kind of purple. Mm-hmm. Or, it depends where you look. I'm not going to talk about colours. Um, what I tend to do, I tend to do either do um, two colours that are complementary or what I tend to do more often is do a, a triadic colour scheme so triadic is imagine your colour wheel you mm-hmm. pick a triangle and the points of the triangle are the three different colours you use yeah yeah um and then i tend to either use a use a white or a black to kind of add to that so i think my alchemists were they were orange and blue which are most mostly opposite each other mm. and a splattering of green which is kind of kind of triangular, almost the same if you imagine a triangle kind of opposite both in some ways it's mm. a describe on, on on the radio app like, by like pointing at the screen. Um but it, it does have, right, I, I think I think I think a good strike and killer scheme can, with some good sort of contrasts, can really make up for a skill which isn't there yet. I think it can make can really make it want to pop.
0: Faces and bases is another one.
1: Yeah, shields, bases and faces. Yeah. Yeah,
0: the uh one thing I've always been good at is bases, which I know doesn't sound this. I, I I think it's there's more to it than it sounds, but I, I've never... A lot, yeah. It. And I've just started working on faces. I'm trying to figure out what colour scheme to do my butchers in, because I, like, I tend to like to paint my ball more, but I tend to like to do this, event and I just like to be a bit different. Maybe it's just me being awkward, but I just like
1: things to be slightly different. So I'm kind of trying to avoid just the standard red. In my head, canon of, of Guildball, I imagine guilds and Guildball having having two different sort of styles. I imagine some guilds in Guildball being like football teams who have mm. sort of bright colours and you know try to be like sportsmen, women. Mm. And I imagine like the Masons, because like professional team, be like that. And I imagine I imagine some like the Alchemists to have sort of flamboyant colours, but I imagine some guilds to have just their clothes or not care. Mm. So, so in my mind, the Butchers were a team that didn't care about wearing fancy clothes. Because they're butchers, so mine are all wearing sort of leather and got browns and white shirts, like they just wore clothes mm. that they wear the all the time. Yeah. Um, rather than sort of a more more sort of football strip style colour. I did, did say think... with, with Union as well, mean, My Union's got a lot of browns and um, a, bit, a bit of purple in there, but you know, colours that look a bit more workman like than um, the bright ones.
0: My Union are all different colours because uh, they were the Union and their mercenary team, and I didn't think that they needed to be a uniform colour. Yeah, it's fair. it's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do them yet. We can discuss that at uh, a later date once I've. I need to really sit down and. I'm playing Max tomorrow night, so I'm going to actually have a good look at his butchers' models built and I mean, paint and it, Basically,
1: see. steal an idea from there. I mean, my butchers have got my butchers have only only to my own. I think that have a colour scheme that's vaguely like the normal one because they have some mm. red on them, uh, but most of them are browns and whites and sort of um, walnut colours. Um, I think they have got some red on them. I'm not sure why I did that, but yeah. Um, it's tricky because, yeah, I think I often don't try and go for, go for these sort of studio colour schemes because it's never going to look as good as theirs and I want to have my own sort of colour, generally.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I've I, I said it before. I'm not a huge fan of the studio paint jobs. Like, I know they're really good. They're technically very good. I just don't like them. I, do, I think they're all... I can't understand why the bases are all, like, oranges and look like they're playing football on Mars. And I just think they're all a bit too clean. <laughs> the paint jobs I've seen recently, like they're, obviously they're really nice, really
1: high-skilled paint jobs. It all just looks a bit too clean. I think Gilbert models do kind of reward looking a bit more lived in, I think, because mm. of the nature of the game. I think, like for example, if you're going to paint a model for like, Dreadball, for example, it's all sort of clean, shiny, sci-fi. Mm. I think um, whether the pictures are made out of of metal and it's like speedball isn't it I think um, having sort of shiny colour schemes makes a lot of sense but for Gilball you know it's kind of muddy and dirty and you know bloody well
0: that's yeah that's why I'm not a massive fan of them because I just think they're just a bit I don't think they represent the world in which Gilball's played it's my own personal opinion it's interesting
1: because they they are very good technically um, good schemes aren't they I mean like I say far I'm
0: nowhere near suggesting that in any way Angle or Aldous' team are not anything short of fantastic painters, but I just don't think that that particular style of paint fit. I just don't think it fits the game no. I don't think, for me, because everything's highlighted really light, it always ends up in almost a white
1: Yeah, yeah it does, very sharp and, highlights and things on screen. Yeah, And again, that
0: just doesn't
1: doesn't do it for me For so the longest time I find it really hard to paint metal, I found that when I painted a base uh, metal, I guess, it would be of metal in the old color scheme, or, or what's it called now, ironbreaker. Is it called now? It normal, uh,
0: paint. Uh, iron Ironbreaker is your highlight. Lead Belcher is your base. Lead, sorry,
1: lead, lead Belcher, yeah. Uh, I I used a different one, but yeah, for that sort of you know, that sort of dark metal color. Mm. I found I did that, and then I washed it with some black, like and some some oil oils and thing. And I found mm. that it, it I was often too thick with applying it, and it made it look smoky. And when I applied it on, I find when I tried to try to make metal highlighted, it was it was too sharp and didn't stand out, it stood out too much and didn't look very Mm -hmm. good. And I found uh, Russ uh, Charles recommended I get a pot of this stuff, um, and I've never turned back since. It's a pot of um, paint by a company called Tamiya. You know that before, Tamiya? I think I've heard you talk
0: about it before, but I don't. Yeah,
1: Tamiya Smoke it's called. It's basically in...
0: Ah, yes, I have heard of this. I'm not sure if Max uses it, It maybe that's what I'm thinking.
1: Basically, it's um, it's a pot pot of... paint, but basically it's very, very thick paint. It's not really paint at all. It kind of stinks, but it's um, not jelly, but imagine a wash that's dried out a little bit. It's kind of sticky.
0: Are you sure Russ wasn't just having you on thinking, I'll get another one of these gullible nerds? (laughs)
1: It's great stuff, because you sort of blob it in the corner. Say you've got your sword, and we've got the hilt of the sword, uh, so where the blade of the the sword uh, meets the hilt. You put a blob of the Tammy smoke in, it kind of sits there, and it's still kind of a bit watery. It goes in all the cracks. You then get your push and pull it outwards, and it kind of shades it for you because it mm-hmm. kind of stays where it is. But when you push out with your brush, it kind of graduates out. When it dries, it dries. It doesn't dry too shiny. Obviously, varnish will help with that as well. And it's it's super easy to make metal look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I swear by it now. It's, it's great stuff. Um yeah, tammy smoke, it's called. Um, it's really good. To so find that metal, I find metal, especially gold as well, hard to paint. Because if you wash gold it too is much, it can be really hard to do. Seraphine serpia. That's the ones in golds. I use sepia, but I find that if you use the sepia paint, it again. I think with with metals, I found you've got to be really sparing with the washes because too much it darkens it down, and when you try to lighten it up, it looks to doesn't look right. I think. What are it it. again? Yeah, I think knowing how knowing that you can't just wash a model and wash the entire thing with it, I think you've got to put the wash in the corners of the of the, of the, yeah. the model and and not just slather it on because it will go in the corners anyway, but then it'll pull it will pull, won't it?
0: This is what I've done with this latest batch of models, is I've actually washed a lot of them after I've highlighted, and what I've done is I've just used... I've like sort of done it down, basically. But I've used a, a detail brush and just done it in the recesses to accentuate the darkness of the recesses, as opposed to like washing the whole model and then highlighting over the top of the wash. I've, I've got up to my final stage, or near the end of the model, and then used it just to go into the, uh, the recesses and... and I know some people may think it seems like harder work doing it like that one. I just wash it all in the first place, but I just found I just found it easier doing it that way. It gave me more control over where I was applying the wash.
1: Yeah, I've and then it four as well sometimes. Yeah,
0: and then if I wanted to do two or three coats with the wash to really accentuate that recess, it was easier doing it with a detail brush than it was like washing over the model, washing over the model, washing over the model. That's a bit kind of
1: like um, the old school method of blacklining, isn't it? Is it? I don't know what that is. Uh, black lining is a very old school way of painting where basically you literally draw a black line between uh,
0: okay, areas yeah.
1: you going to paint, and kind of washing that away, it's kind of doing the same thing, but you're making a, a sort of a stop between two colours, aren't you, almost really, to yep. show contrast? Yeah,
0: yeah, That's what some people do with their Sharpie pens, isn't it? They use... Really? It, yeah, there's one colour, and I can't remember which one it is, if it's the silver or the black, but one of those two ones, people actually use it for highlighting. Huh. But they, I can't remember which one it is, obviously, or, zoom, or the nib, I guess or shading, if not highlighting, probably not highlighting because it's a black or silver. But yeah, I've heard it on a few podcasts when they're talking
1: about painting. that. Like, I haven't heard much painting on, certainly on podcasts for Guild Have you heard many hobby podcasts recently? Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean,
0: not painting related, but to, to be fair, I don't really hear painting that often talked about on podcasting because it's not a very niche.
1: No, I mean, Guild quite a, um, you know, obviously quite a competitive game. and I think, um,
0: I don't even yes. think specific, I don't, I didn't mean just Gilball, I in mean, any podcast, so I don't know if that's just because. Because
1: it's a radio. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, <clears throat> painting, painting is a very visual medium, it's very hard to talk yeah. about blending different tones of
1: colours in a way that doesn't just lose people's interest, much like we have now. Well, I think it's pretty good, I think um, certainly with basing I've sort of jumped around from the original sort of sand basing, you paint and put a bit of flock on, to going sort of building up my own bases with bits of wood and. Yeah, I plaster, do. That. Plaster Paris and bits of shrubbery to getting resin ones. I yeah, think resin ones yeah, yeah, tend to use when I want sh- to r- 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 rush r- 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 Yeah, yeah. We are anyway. no
0: longer the knights of say ni. Nee. We are now the knights of say tang so we.
1: With my, um, my signal from years ago, I, my, I had a colossal where I built, you know, I would barbed wire fences and plaster mm. Paris and I built a little hill in there and stuff. And obviously can't do that with gillboard stuff, but my brewers, I like, tried to build other bases with sort of making them have sort of old fences on there, wooden bits and everything else and the base can make a model pop a lot. Yeah, I do that. I do all do of you my bases mo- mo- first, do you and then put a the model in afterwards. I said t- to use no, uh, some sort of two part, two part glue to take the model in afterwards. I use like um what's it called? Aldite. A two part glue where I, I paint the base up but then glue the model in afterwards.
0: I mean it's the interesting with my gild ones, I'm planning on basically just flocking the whole base. But um what I do with my Hobbit stuff is actually like the ones I'm painting now. I've got the model on the base, but I've not put any basing material on it. I'll paint the model, and then I'll sand the base later on, put a thin layer of PVA back over the top of the sand to one-seal it, but also it takes the uh, the roughness out of the sand so that when you dry brush it, it doesn't tear your brushes you always, up as much.
1: always seal your sand with PVA afterwards, always. Yeah. Otherwise it comes off.
0: It does, which I don't actually mind. It's not so much that, that I mind, because the bits where the sand comes off is just where I put down some flock to give some more colour to the base. Because I tend to do mine, so my bases are: I start off with Dryad Bark, I then dry brush over Gorthor, I then dry brush over Bain blade and then dry brush over Carrick Stone, which is basically working through four shades of brown. So I end up with quite a browny, muddy tone, and then I put on green flock to give it some pop, I think, and then um, I uh, Steel Legion drab around the ring, rim.
1: I think how bright your base is has to be in contrast with your model. Like I think um, mm. a darker base does help if you've got a lighter model, and vice versa.
0: Mm. yeah well i mean i'm doing ranges, so they're all green and brown so yeah so you want to and th- that. i want a nice bright base to make that uh have a pop and uh, look and
1: just i'll tell you one thing i don't like seeing in guild don't like bases that have got a white line on them i tried it when i first my first ever mason's team and i'm on my third team i try i tried doing it and i couldn't get it to look any good at all for one thing the lines looked a bit rubbish and painting on flock doesn't look like very- good and also i find that because they're all a team the lines are all at weird angles anyway
0: exactly that's why it really annoys me it's just one of those things that they don't run around on
1: a line all the time no but then again they don't run around with planks attached to their legs either or you know rocks but yeah i, I think i don't care i don't care that triggers me fair enough i don't care not on a glass pitch is it like bubble is no i think um I don't, <laughs> I don't care about logical reasoning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm free, I wanted to put snow bases in on my auditions, which I did, uh, even though, of course, the pictures <laughs> never covered in snow. But damn it, I did it anyway. I wanted snow bases.
0: I've always wanted to. The snow flock's an interesting one. What did you use?
1: So um, for the snow bases, I I did the bases normal, so I painted it, ink washed it, dry washed it a whole lot, and then. I got some, originally it was, from, so there's a company called Basecrafts, and what they do, okay, they okay. produce a 20-quid box with t- tons of small pots with tons of different types of basic materials, and you can get you can get an urban one or a, mm-hmm. an outdoors one, and they're really good. And um, in that was was two types of snow flock, and although I, I later ran out and just used the normal um, stuff by workshop. And mm-hmm. what you do, you get some, some snow flock, um, and you put it into a little, little sort of lid. I used a, a lid from an aerosol can. Mm-hmm. and in there I put some PVA glue
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a bit of water and whizzed it all up into basically a goo. Drank it. <laughs> you drank it. I think I, yeah. It sounds like eggnog. And basically I painted that goo on the on the model. Sorry, sorry, on the okay. base. <laughs> um, yep. Now, the quantity of water you use and obviously the ratio of of powder you use changes how the snow looks. Mm-hmm. Um, if you use a lot of glue, it tends to look wetter and less crisp. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's dried, I had another snow which I sprinkled on top to look a bit like it had been un, untouched in places. I yeah. then had the same base craft kit. Well, you can get these this kit also from um, Green Stuff um, World It's a website online. Website online, I suppose what's offline. Um, and basically, they provide tubs of leaves, small okay. leaves. So I got an entire tub full of like autumnal leaves. Are they green ones, stuff ones, or are they? They're, 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 I think they actually are leaves. Oh, uh, okay,
0: right. So you just paid for a load of leaves you could have got from outside?
1: Well, they were, t- they were leaf shaped, they were tiny. I mean, what Grease we'll of uh, it, came, it came it came with the basic craft set, but the reason why I'm mentioning Grease of World now is they actually um, provide sort of stamps where you can at least you get a leaf and you can just mm. stamp, cut into it leaf shapes. They're obviously small enough to put on a base. You yeah. Make your own. And basically, I painted them on with PVA glue as well. Um, it's like a windswept sort of a leafy look. I mean, technically, the leaves should probably be under the snow, but obviously, you couldn't see them then. Um, would so, defeat yeah, the object it, exactly so, um, they kind of stand out that way, um, because the models are all kind of green. My m- morticians are all sort of jade green and kind of dark mm. colors. Which means I do like yeah, snow bases,
0: out. I've always liked them on like, I don't know, on like chaos models like corn. I always like the idea that they're from the northern wastelands, yeah, kind of, sort of the frozen. Thros.
1: I thought with, with morticians it would make sense because the you know what they are miserable, and st- they stand out. I mean, um. Oh, no, I, I, I know. Think think I think they get more attention from, from people than they probably should do, given how they're painted, because there's no bases.
0: I think it's interesting that um, Steamforge haven't released more
1: pictures with different designs. Uh, yeah, I th- I, thought, I would have thought they would have released one um, um, last Season year. But three. then again, this is, this is entirely based upon no facts at all, so it's not a spoiler. Unlike the rest of our podcast. I think people have got used to
0: us not needing that caveat.
1: Yeah, I'm saying anyway. But I, I, I predict that because of the fact that they're giving away the kickoff box set with virtually everything right now, including going to their centre and Adepticon, and if you buy some cornflakes, you'll find a box in there. Yeah, I um, found a
0: box of cornflakes in my box of kickoff that I got inside a box of cornflakes. Yeah, It was mental. Think, uh, it was like Russian dolls of uh, all way down
1: I'm fairly sure that they will be producing, along with the new season football book, um, a new box set, starter box set, uh, well, I think it's inevitable, isn't it? And it wouldn't surprise me if they also at the same time had a new board and probably a new design for Matt.
0: Yeah, I just thought, I, I don't disagree with that, I just thought it was interesting that they hadn't done more already, just like. Different... Yeah,
1: it's a shame because I quite enjoy different Matt designs.
0: Yeah, right. you know, as we've just discussed, having snow pitches and things like. Yeah, it's... I mean,
1: and there are, there are sort of third party companies that do them, but they're never quite as good as the ones that Steve Walsh did.
0: Oh well, if there are, I've still not even seen a snow one. I mean I could always go and get the design done myself. It's just letting air out of my face hole, basically, to fill radio time or something it's like that. Some
1: letting air out of our face holes. Yeah, you know. But that was a that was a good painting, chat actually, that was quite nice. Um, so well, we
0: before we wrap up I was gonna say we've got the heroic play coming up. Are you gonna try anything new at that? You got any new tech? Anything you can
1: practice? Um obviously not. I mean um we can't use Hemlock then. I mean, we can't say anything yet because Hemlock hasn't been released until Thursday and this is coming out on Tuesday. But obviously, we've seen the rules for Hemlock because it's going to be in the episode. It's going to release on Thursday with Perkins talking about it. But obviously, oh, I, can't, if you're, um, I can't use Hemlock then because she will be out until May. Um, so I can't try her out yet. Um, Rat Catchers will be out by then, but I'll probably have them, have them painted up. Um, yeah, I, uh,
0: I messaged David Cameron earlier. I said, yeah, dude, what are you can do at I right play without... Um, Hemlock, uh, without mist, so play hunters, uh, play farmers. I
1: asked, I asked him the same question cause on, on on Saturday when he was at my, on my tournament on table one. I said, yeah. So, without mist, what are you going to do? And just cry. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting watching him play, actually, because I've never seen him play before, and obviously he was way better at mm. using Morts than I am. Yeah. And he was playing Morts in a very interesting way. He was playing them way more goal focused than I've seen before. Yeah, he does. He was like, he was all goals, all ball threat all the time. And all Greg Dale was trying to do, Greg Dale was playing Tapper Brewers. Yeah. And Greg was just betting himself in knots, trying to kill the ball all the time. Yeah. And really making, because he got the first turn goal with missed, um, yeah. um, David did, It. Greg had to play his game throughout. And it really locked down what he could do. Yeah. And he killed yeah, the ball got... well, but even, even killing the ball well, obviously is so maneuverable when he wants to be.
0: Well, it, you. The thing is, he can make anyone else really manoeuvrable as well.
1: And he was using, he was using um, rather than using um, Graves as a tooled-up, he was using Graves as, as an actual winger, you know, on the on the side, with the mm-hmm. reach to threaten ball retrieval. He was very strong. He was very good. It was interesting seeing him do that. Um, mm-hmm. Although, conversely, I'm probably going to take um long to Mark's tournament a lot more scalpel, I think, because she's great. She is
0: absolutely fantastic. I'm trying to, because uh, David's on my WTC team, so I'm trying to encourage him to try Scalpel.
1: I think, um, when I'm thinking about it more, I think both have a place, but I think there's a fair few teams that can just almost zap him to death. Like Obulus. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Engineers can, um, Esters can, um, you know, uh, Alchemists can, a lot of teams can almost trivially just take him out from range, and then you're down your linchpin, and Scalpel doesn't care about that too much, really. Well, no more than anybody else does. I think the main problem I had with Scalpel is when I played her last week against Martin was that she was doing really well, she scored me a goal, she then got two take-outs in one activation, running around, kicking ass, taking names. I was second-winding her way, but I was too cautious with second-winding, and she 2nd winded herself too far away from the front line, basically. Yeah,
0: that's what you have to be careful of, is to not be over-aggressive over with and her 2nd wind She
1: kind of lost a turn out of the game, and that yeah. kind of allowed Martin to pull it back.
0: Because um, she's so fast, you take her so far away. Can the opponent just go? All right, fine. I'll move
1: over to yeah, the side of the ball. Yeah, exactly. Um, See you later. She was half an inch off being able to get a eight point activation. Um, she so she killed she killed Boar. She killed Brisket, and then she could le- could legendary and pull Ox towards her who had the ball. Hit Ox, tackle him, dodge away, and score a goal. Mm-hmm. But she was half an inch out from the dodge taking her towards the goal and mm-hmm. she didn't want to risk a potting blow from ox because tackle's fairly good. And she was five yeah. one. But we thought five one against potting blows, but Ox has to hack seven, plus two for potting blow. Nine. He, he, hitting it not too bad, two hits, especially with bonus time. Um, is that all he needs? Yeah, so I thought we'd not we do it. Can't redo it. Like, well yeah, um, he needs three fives and nine dice, you yes, should get that. Exactly. So um but she was I mean so that was a mistake on my part, but she's so aggressive and able to with positioning, threatening a lot of the board at once, okay. um, I want to try it out more. And to be honest, it's a would good, be a good way for me throwing it at the wall and seeing what you can of can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in that game against Martin, I took him. Um, I took school. I've taken take Skulk like virtually every single game I've played with Martin recently. But in that game, Skulk didn't do much. I think against Ox, Ox there certainly I think Silence would have done a lot better. Not only for, not only for his um, for his ability to lock down the aura um, with you know maybe some tapped and um shut out but also scalpel damage is not bad but if you put three damage on a model early doors with fire blast and then the fire next turn three damage less scalpel having to do to kill someone's quite a big deal
0: well i think also the thing with, uh, with rat catchers is uh sorry with rat catchers with um with Skulk is like Butchers are very Unlikely to want To get away
1: <laughs> No they, they are I, mean, I, I was thinking about His his Twitch melee Against Brisket And that sort of thing Could, be, could have been useful oh, um, She just
0: takes the Parting blow if She's that bothered And yeah you follow up But she could just Lead you to where She wants
1: you to go Because she's five ones Against him Yeah as it was I, would, I think I would have Had, had the, the control From Scout From someone like Silence Just to, to lock people down Or to damage people A bit more with fire And just to Just to hold it more Really Skulk didn't do Much in that game um, Yours, I, I, have... took, I, took, I took Casket, um, who was obviously he stood in the middle and basically died, but took a lot of punishment. But obviously, against, against an Ox team, he's not going to survive forever. Uh, yeah, not very took, long at I, I took um, Casket, I took Gast. No, no, I didn't. That's a lie. I took, I took Graves, sorry. I took Graves, mm-hmm. Casket, Skulk, and the fourth player was. Oh, goodness. Brain <laughs> Pan? Cassette. Uh No, it wasn't Brain Pan, it wasn't cassette. Um Who would it have been?
0: Bone saw.
1: Must have been bone saw. No, would have been. no no I've i I've bone saw since, since the tournament because he's just losing points for me. Yeah. Um C- casket, it's a good radio. Casket, skulk, graves. Who was the fourth person, Andrew? Who was it?
0: If it wasn't silence, it wasn't bonesaw, it wasn't brain pan, and Memory. it wasn't Cosset, it wasn't Pillage, it wasn't
1: Skulk. Who was it? Uh, I don't know who it was. Well there isn't anyone else. No, 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 it was Brain Pan. It was Brain Pan. Oh, well, this is brilliant. It was, because uh, Brain Pan managed to get the ball later on. It was. Um, but Casket in that line-up basically just died. But he took a lot of punishment, so he kind of did his job in some way, I guess. Someone, someone's got to die against them, haven't they?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, a difficult one, isn't it? I think against uh, an Ox team, you kind of really need to just play
1: football. Yeah, yeah.
0: Having said that, if you go for Ox and you... um. Ox was the captain I put in the box the most with with caskets on.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, he played it well, and me mispositioning scalpel for, for turn basically meant that you can get the damage in to threaten him. Mm. Uh, otherwise, you may well may, may well have done. Mm. Um, certainly, I think casket being on the pitch, even though he didn't do much in that game, I still think he was a good pick because he's still got a threat there. He's got to think about.
0: Oh, and he's just good in general. He's got other tools as well.
1: He has, and and ghost of his is really good. Um, it is 'cause a great package isn't he in general really uh, yeah, absolutely and yeah I, I also misallocated my influence because basically late, last turn of the game I gave um, Graves two rather than three and basically it gave him three he could have charged in tackled the ball passed it up the pitch towards Scalp or scored a goal but he had two so he couldn't charge and do it so I think I need to with Gast I think I need to so i not, not Gast I'm being an idiot so with Graves I need to remember to give them the right quantity of influence because, obviously, early doors you might get one or two for bleed or foot all up, but then I mean, late, mm-hmm. later game when you're hunting the ball down, you need to have more than that.
0: See, I, I I played Philip the other night and I was incredibly impressed with the condition game that you can play with her. It oh, was horrible. It's insane with dirty knives as well in the team. It's just oh, like, yeah. no, you've got dirty knives and a permanent debuff on you, now you've got um, hooked and a permanent debuff and bleed on you.
1: Philip just goes in and goes, right, now. you've all got bleed on you. Uh, let's go. The thing about meat hook is, like, um, if she if she's able to counter-attack against someone, she has an amazing counter-attack. Or a parting blow. Yeah, bleed and hooked. Brilliant.
0: Because, yeah, because it's not uh, it's not character play triggered off the playbook. It's just trait. She can't shake it. It's there now. Well, the, yeah. bleed,
1: can be, the bleed can be going up, but the hooked can't. And yeah, um... yeah,
0: absolutely. I would always counter-attack with her if you think she's going to get a counter-attack. Yeah. To be honest... I'd probably counter-attack for, to force them to think about what that result they're going to take. Yeah, to force the
1: knockdown or whatever. Get I use sanguine
0: pulled as well. I don't understand why people don't use that. I, really I love to see
1: it, but it's really powerful.
0: Like The thing is, like what I always find hilarious is you get all these butchers players going, wah, shark, gut and string, wah, shark, gut and string. It's really miserable. Meat Hook's got gut and string. You just hook them for one point of momentous damage, and then you put Sanguine Pool on them. Guess what? They've got a defensive debuff they can't
1: shake, and they've got a minus four, minus four move. There's your gut and string. I can count on one hand, times I've seen it, but it's 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 so horrible to get hit by it. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's such a strong ability. Amitok isn't particularly easy to take out, is she? She's 4-1, 14 boxes. She's not bad.
0: No, everyone says like, she's squishy, but 14 and 4 one's not going down that easily. Again, it's a dedicated beat rule, but hey, you can set up like, so many it's things. It's no squishier
1: than a lot of players in the game. No, absolutely. Uh, and people, ball, people die, you know?
0: Yeah, I know. Right? Who'd have thought? Whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: funny about me, look. I, I see her as a tooled-up bot a lot, but I think she's got more, a lot more than that to offer.
0: I was sending her in early. I'd win the momentum and then give her like three influence, send her in. I'd be like, hooked and bleed, hooked
1: and bleed, tooled up. Sanguine Paul, let's go. Yeah, so you go for a couple of attacks. I mean, the scything blow probably not going to happen on the charge. Right, don't worry about that. Um, no, not really. I, I, you if don't want to else, charge. You're on, you're on the momentum, don't you, to trigger the... Um, yeah, you, you like, don't want to charge. You don't want to charge. Go in, just... Yeah, some set is vexed, and you're forcing your opponent to either clear them or heal themselves, and mm-hmm. if you've got Phil in the team, she can then zero in on someone who's bleeding. hmm I mean, I also... It, may, it might be who I play against, but I've never really seen Philip used as, as a striker much.
0: Have you? No, I'm, I must admit, I've, well, I've only ever played her once.
1: Probably because um, can kill more easily than can can score goals, I guess.
0: Uh, Yeah, and you've got Brisket. <laughs>
1: yeah. Just, just take OG Brisket, put Super Shot on her, be done with it. It's interesting you mentioned, you mentioned OG Brisket because she's really good, but I don't know. I like, I like both of them. Uh, I must admit, I've never played Vet Brisket. I just like the original one too much. Well, the original one's very tanky, hasn't she? She's got Super Shot and Dirty Knives. It's just utility. Just Dirty Knives is so strong. Who else was on your team then? You had had Fillet, you had uh, OG Brisket, you had Meat Hook. Tenderizer and Vetox. Oh, really? That's interesting. And Princess. Playing against two?
0: Max was playing Blacksmiths, as will become apparent when I tell you the players. Um, Who the hell did he have? He had had Bolt and Farris, because I I think he was trying the range knockdown control. Yeah. Yeah. which wasn't a terrible plan. I quite like it. Um, uh, so he had those two. He had half an Alloy because he was playing blacksmiths, and then he had Cinder and Burnish. And it was all looking like it was going well until Philip took out three players and one activation. Ooh.
1: <laughs> was that her, her legendary to finish people off? Was it? Or... Yeah, it was. I
0: think it was turn three. Yeah, I think turn three. Like I chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, and it was just went in. Hit a player, got Blood Rain, which is the three-inch pulse, isn't it? Uh, Yeah. So Blood Rain, three models get bleed, legendary, two models died. And I want, took out Farris with the legendary, hit Bolt, killed him. He was bleeding so I could dodge into cinder and <laughs> killed her.
1: And I was like, sure, I'll go now. It's funny how butchers you barely, you barely see anymore, but Philip's still absolutely terrifying, isn't she? mate they are so so good i'm
0: really torn what to take for wtc and i'm kind of like thinking butchers
1: or hunters we'll take butchers along to uh to to uh, mark 32 man at the end of the month and see how it goes Uh, i'm gonna take hunters oh are you yeah yeah, i'm taking hunters to that
0: i've already decided um because i played a lot of fish recently i've got a feeling that harwood's going to want to take fish to wtc and you can't just think so yeah so i've got to pick something else so i'll play fish at vengeance because I want to have a chance of winning, and that's the team I've played a lot with recently. Um, but also, I have kind of become a bit disenfranchised with. Like, I love shark; shark's so good. But I've lost three games at tournaments recently just because I've missed a pass or a shot. And well, then,
1: you're playing a playing a, a four round tournament or, or more rounds. You're gonna you're gonna miss one, aren't you? Eventually.
0: Yeah, the trouble is, it's like at WTC, that's there's not going to be any forgiveness there. It's not going to be like you know, and the guys there are going to know how to kill the ball properly.
1: Yeah, two two sounds like a better way of winning a game, doesn't it? Really?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've won games with shot like on a couple of times with like one four, I guess.
1: I, yeah, I've won two
0: games with shot with one goal or tip with one four or two two. But yeah, you know, it's not what you go into the game no, planning. It's, it's more just adapting on the to what's actually there in front of you. But yeah, I think at WTC, missing a shot is just if you you have to work so hard to get the ball. And to be honest, I just don't particularly enjoy Corsair that much. It's just a bit dull. And you ever to
1: expect to play against people who are going to play of a ball-killing style anyway? It's going to happen.
0: Yeah, because uh, that's what the, a lot of the top players are doing now. It's yeah. the so way I the game's gone. To,
1: you know, assume it's going to happen, don't you?
0: Yeah, well, it will happen. You know, the Americans play it. Um, I don't. Well, think not it's not on... the
1: Americans, but you know, obviously they've.
0: Oh, no, I hadn't finished. <laughs> Good, can on. <laughs> Talk to you now. Yeah, I know. Well, you can on the bonus time. No one listens, I'll let it slide.
1: <laughs> 20 people. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, to be fair, we have 20 people on Patreon. It doesn't tell me how many people listen to it.
0: Yeah, a <laughs> Best lot of them. Probably...
1: First part, I get exact numbers, but... Um, um... On Patreon, didn't tell me, so actually, could be no one has to do it at all for it.
0: No. They've probably forgotten that they've signed up for it, and then they'll get like a charge no, from their account. You know. that.
1: That, that's why we lose subscribers after the, after the charge date. Mm. Our biggest time for losing is when you know, when we get the, <laughs> the end of the month, people get charged, and you go, well, why am I still on this for? Think, it again. Right. Um, brilliant. Well, that's been an episode that was about painting, and then that's into some Guild talk. Lovely stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, um, thank you for listening, all 20 of you, if you're listening at all. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, thank you for still staying with us it does mean an awful lot to us and um, that'll be it Um, say bye racism